Good morning, everybody. It's Herb Morgan from Cantor Fitzgerald Investment Advisors with my weekly economic and market commentary for the week beginning today, Monday, March 6, 2023. As a reminder, you can follow me intro week on uh, LinkedIn, Herb Morgan, or on um, Twitter at ETF underscore um, strategist. All right, let's get right into it. This presentation, let's start over actually. Good morning, everybody. This is Herb Morgan, Senior Managing Director and Chief Investment Officer here at Cantor Fitzgerald Investment Advisors. This is my weekly economic and market commentary beginning today, Monday, March 6, 2023. As a reminder, you can follow me intraweek on Twitter at ETF underscore strategist or on LinkedIn, just Herb Morgan. The presentation you're about to see and hear has been prepared by us, Cantor Fitzgerald Investment Advisors, for use with both investors and financial advisors, each of whom are expected to make their own investment decisions. Nothing contained in this presentation should be treated as investment advice or a recommendation for the purchase or sale of any securities. Everything contained herein is for informational purposes only. Its adequacy, accuracy, or completeness cannot be guaranteed. Well, we had a very nice rebound in equities last week and fixed income for that matter as interest rates on the U.S. 10-year touched 10% or excuse me, 4% and then backed off that 4% level a little bit last week. You could see strong uh, strong across the board, S&P 500 up almost 2%, mid small cap stocks right there. International, including emerging markets, all up strongly, bringing positive, uh, solid positive returns really for the first two months of the year, and now we're well into March. Fixed income also caught a bid, so it was across the board a week of uh, low inbound phone calls for us here at, uh, at Cantor Fitzgerald Investment Advisors. Durable goods orders were reported last week for the month of January. They fell 4.5%. That was more than expected, so that was a bit of a miss, and that, but that was a reversal of a, of a huge gain. You can see it um, on the right-hand side of the chart there. That was a pretty huge uh, gain. There's my little red dot for you. That was a big gain in um, December. Most of that drop was due to fluctuations in the very volatile high dollar volume commercial aircraft orders. So when we back that out, we see we still we actually had an increase of 0.7%. So in the aggregate, not really as bad a report as the headline seemed. And that seems to be a theme right now is that we've, really, we've hiked interest rates so many times, but we can't seem to get um, we can't seem to get an impact, a negative impact on the overall economy. Sure, things have slowed, particularly on the manufacturing side. But the service side, and the labor market remains very robust, and that's causing the Federal Reserve a little bit of angst. We're going to hear from Chairman Powell this week as he testifies both in the Senate and the House about what's, uh, what's next in his fight against inflation. One place where the rate hikes and the balance sheet runoff have clearly impacted the economy is in residential real estate, pending home sales for January we're actually up 8%. That may be a bit of a fluke reading, um, but they're 22% lower from a year ago. So clearly, speculative frenzy in the housing market has subsided because of higher interest rates. That's a pretty obvious thing that would happen. Wholesale inventories last month fell four tenths of a percent. That was more than expected, but these inventories have been, you can see, rising in a very significant uptrend for a very significant period of time. Uh, part of that was supply chain recovery. Um, Related. Back to housing for a second. We got the FHFA house price index. It fell a tenth of a percent in December. 
second straight month, but still, home prices, according to this index, up 6.6% on a year-over-year basis. We then take a look, of course, at the Case-Shiller Home Price Index. Uh, that was the sixth straight monthly decline, but still, year-over-year, up 4.65%. You know, I've said over and over, housing market is the tip of the spear when we come to, you know, rate policy. Rate policy... Rates go up, the housing market suffers, rates go down, housing market benefits, and it's about 4% of the economy. So if you're employed in that sector of the economy, you're really uh, very significantly at the mercy of the Federal Reserve and their rate hikes. Uh, many industries are, but I think um, housing just in particular has an amplified um, effect. We got the conference board's report on consumer confidence for the month of february last week we we're down a bit 106 down to 102.9 consensus was that consumers were going to get a little more enthusiastic uh in february and they did not uh, although they said their present situation was a little better their expectations dropped pretty significantly so that's something to keep an eye on we got reports from um s&p global uh, on manufacturing and, and of course, services as well as from ISM last week. Um, S&P Global Manufacturing, remember, factoring, manufactured about 15% of the U.S. economy. It rose a little, 47.3. That was below expectations, and, of course, it's below the all-important 50 level. 50 is the line of delineation between expansion and contraction. That's four consecutive months below 50, so four months of manufacturing in the United States contracting. ISM, Institute for Supply Management, a competitive reading, telling the same story. Uh, the PMI up a little, 47.7, but in contraction for one, two, three, four consecutive months. You know, you can see contraction back here. That was a recession, right? And then you have to go back further to the left, back to 08 to get a prior recession. But you can have these dips. You can see here, one, two, three, four, five months below 50 without a recession in uh, 2015. So this isn't definitively or necessarily mean we're in a recession, especially given the fact that services are about 85% of the U.S. economy. And services by both measures, S&P Global and ISM, are back above 50. In February, S&P Global services went to 50.6. ISM services, you can see very strong here, at 55.2. And we only had one month below 50 for ISM. New orders continue to be very strong. Business activity did fall a little, but employment activity rose again to 54. One of the things the Federal Reserve wants to see to for their fight against inflation is labor costs to come down. The only way you have labor costs come down is if you have fewer jobs created. And this week, very important, we get both the ADP and the BLS, Bureau of Labor Statistics, jobs reports. Construction spending for January fell a little bit. Still, despite the weakening in the uh, real estate sector, it's still up 5.7% on a year-over-year basis, hardly recessionary. Motor vehicle sales, which have really suffered from supply chain issues related around uh, computer chips um, spiking up, total vehicle, fails, uh, total vehicle sales have spiked up from the lows during that prices, but month over month down a little bit, uh, 14.89 million. Interesting thing we're seeing there is now with more and more manufacturers offering uh, electric vehicles, competition is tighter, and we've seen um, electric vehicle leader Tesla 
significantly lower prices, which of course is a disinflationary move. Um, but back to labor for a second. Uh, weekly claims for unemployment last week fell from 192 to 190. Continuing claims from 166 to 165. And I think the Fed really, you know, they feel confident in being able to be very restrictive with monetary policy or further restrictive than they are because the jobs market remains so strong because the service sector, which is the biggest part of the economy, remains so strong as well. The biggest thing happening this week, actually for the next two weeks, though, in the world of economics is probably the Chinese National People's Congress. This is the largest legislative body in the world. It meets every year for a couple of weeks, and then they have their big every five-year meetings. Uh, we expect uh, to get this from this week, the next two weeks meeting. Number one, a policy growth target for 2023. We got that over the weekend. They're saying they want their economy to grow by 5%. This is the world's second largest economy, so it's very significant. Uh, and obviously, that's a much a higher growth rate than you can expect out of a more mature economy like the United States or even the totality of the European Union. Um, they will in introduce new economic policymakers likely this week, um, and there are concerns there. There are concerns that a lot of the folks that have been more vocal about pro-market and competitive reforms, that those folks might be uh, on their way out, um, and, uh, um, and then more authoritarian or dictatorial folks could be on their way in. However, the market also expects significant uh, financial regulatory restructuring to deepen and reform their financial system, strengthen and enhance regulation of the financial system and the markets, possibly consolidation of multiple regulators into a single regulator, which, you know, we're invested in China through our emerging markets ETF and then through our single country exposure ETF, our China position which we've had on for about a year now. Um, and we had a very significant pickup in the manufacturing activity last week that I told you about from China. Add all that in with what's expected to be pro-growth uh, on, on the margin um, output from this Congress. Expected to have a new head of the Ch uh, China Central Bank, the People's Bank of China. Uh, we expect stimulative Keynesian-style budget deficits, about 3% of GDP at the national level, and then at the local level, where they issue these special bonds, kind of like our municipal bonds, uh, we're expecting a total uh, Keynesian-style stimulus deficit of a pretty significant uh, number, almost 6% of GDP. Even with the, may, the possible removal of some of the more pro-market officials, we expect a positive tone. Uh, to come out of this on the role of the private sector, in particular technology. We expect less emphasis on the common prosperity theme or the communism theme. Um, we do expect the continued promotion of the consumer, targeted tax breaks for specific consumptive purposes, uh, and then further um, stabilization of the housing market. So we think there's a net positive coming out um, there. The thing that could throw the markets in a little bit of a down, we expect, so we expect positive news to influence the markets positively from China in the next week or two. Uh, but we've also got this week, we've got U.S. Fed Chair Jerome Powell to testify in front of both Senate and House, Senate Banking and House Financial Services on Tuesday and Wednesday. Given that um, we've had 
you know, stronger than expected economic data, higher than expected inflation data for the last month or so, we think it's unequivocally likely that uh, he will emphasize his hawkish stance and his willingness to do whatever it takes to fight inflation. Um, but of course, he doesn't want to put us into a recession. You know, we saw acceleration of job growth in January. That's not what the Fed needs to see. We saw the services sector accelerate. Um, I think some people are going to suggest that he put 50 basis points back on the table. I don't think he will dismiss that entirely, but I do not think he will embrace it. I think he will talk about giving monetary policy a chance to um, work. It, it acts with a lag, um, but I think he'll, he'll sort of refer to, we'll do it if we need to, and it's data dependent, et cetera, et cetera. Markets, though, how right now are talking about uh, pricing in. Uh, they're talking about about a five five and a half percent terminal rate in the July September range. Originally, we were more like in the March April range, and it was five. So the markets are suggesting the Fed will continue to hike. Next meeting, March twenty second, no doubt in my mind, twenty five basis points, just given all the data that's come in. Uh, unless there's some surprise turnaround in the data between now and then, I just don't see that happening. The other thing I think that's really unusual that I thought I'd share with you this week is the following. This is my copper to gold ratio graph um, that I do within my Bloomberg terminal. This white line that you see squiggling across, across is the copper to gold ratio. And it starts to go up when copper starts to outperform gold. And you've heard the expression of Dr. Copper. It often, not exclusively, not always, no perfect indicator, but it often signals a bottom in equity prices. So if you go back here, right, you can see that was the 08 crash. And when that copper starts to outperform, you then subsequently get a significant outperformance of equities, which we did starting in early 2009. Coming out of the next recession, there's 2020. It was a very short-lived recession. We have mass, massive amounts of stimulus, and you saw copper begin to outperform. And, of course, we had a huge rally in the equity markets. We're starting to see that again. Copper starting to outperform gold. Markets possibly bottomed late last year. Possibly. We think that's a good chance of that. On the one hand, though, we don't have the support of monetary policy this time. So even though... It does look like the, the bottom could be in. It does look like um, that doesn't mean that we're going to have this massive tailwind of monetary policy support for equities. So, um, you know, if you're a long-term investor, great entry point. Um, do, you, do we expect, you know, massive returns from equities in the next six months? Probably not. I do think, though, that once we realize that we're at the terminal rate, you know, that's when you'll get a little bit of a spike. Okay, moving further, uh, lots of data this week. Factory orders this morning expected to be down 1.8%. Consumer credit expected to be up $25 billion. The big things this week really, well, there's a couple. Uh, the two jobs reports, ADP expected for 200,000, BLS at 200. That's a big deceleration from 517. But the Fed stated over and over they want to see it down to about 100. Um, they just the labor market's just too tight, so there's no reason for them to cut interest rates at this point. So the the, the two jobs reports are big. Number two, the um, you know the Chinese Communist Party meeting, the legislative process there, and number three, uh, Chairman Powell's testimony to both the Senate and the uh, House. So. Okay, thanks everybody. As a reminder, this is available as a podcast. You can tell your smart device to play Herb Morgan's podcast or play 
slaying bulls and bears. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, I'll be back to you in one week.